compelling insights, unpredictable conversations, encouragement for your day. It's the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Hi there, this is Patrick Madrid. Nice to meet you. I have a radio program and I'd like you to check it out. All you have to do is sit right there and listen. And if you want to call and be on the air, call this number, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. I have a note here from Robert. Now, by the way, if you want to send me a note, just send it to Patrick at RelevantRadio.com. Uh, Robert in Chicago wrote to me and he wrote to Cyrus. Same question. So here goes, Robert. He says, since today is the feast of the presentation of our Lord, uh, is the rule to abstain from meat, is that not enforced today? Well, that would depend on the diocese you live in. So you're in the Archdiocese of Chicago, and in some dioceses, the abstinence from meat will can be abrogated. A good rule of thumb is that the church pres- prescribes the abstention from meat on all Fridays throughout the year, and that's how it used to be under pain of sin prior to a revision in the church's law, which now says that it's no longer under pain of sin, but the church strongly encourages all Catholics to abstain from meat on all Fridays throughout the year. So that's the first part of the answer. In Lent, the requirement is to abstain from meat on Ash Wednesday, coming up soon, and all Fridays during Lent, including Good Friday. So that's not an optional thing. You, you must abstain from meat during the, <clears throat> excuse me, during the Lenten season. The rest of the year, you have the option, if you choose, to substitute a different penance for abstaining from meat on a Friday. Now, the reason I mention that is because we are not in the Lenten season yet. So Lent begins soon, but it hasn't begun yet. So you can choose to abstain from meat today, even though it's a major feast day. And in the case of certain major feast days, for example, solemnities, they they abrogate, that's probably not quite the right word for it, but whatever the right word for it is, um, they supersede, let's put it that way, the church's discipline of not eating meat on a given Friday. So if that Friday falls on a solemnity, then you don't have to observe that discipline because the solemnity is a feast day and you're allowed to feast, and meat is often part of a feast. So that's the way you can look at it. So right now, because we're not in the Lenten season, and the abstentions from meat are not obligatory um, in the way that the abstentions from meat during the Lenten season are, you can choose to celebrate um, the feast of the presentation of our Lord and have some meat today if you wish to do so. I hope that clarifies it. That's the same email you received, right, Cyrus? I thought it was. Yeah, word for word. Good. Well, I hope that helps, Robert. And this is also true in in a somewhat different way when it comes to things like, is it a holy day of obligation? This is where from one diocese to another, sometimes you might see a difference where one diocese says, yes, this is, let's say, Ascension Thursday, this is a holy day of obligation. Some dioceses might transfer that to the following Sunday or the preceding Sunday. I personally am in favor of the old-fashioned way of Ascension Thursday, you observe it on Thursday. And whatever day the Feast of the Assumption of Our Lady is on August 15th, you observe it on that day. Um, I think we we lose a little maybe opportunity for fervor 
and discipline when we make things so easy. Well, you're going to Mass on Sunday anyway, so we'll transfer the Holy Day of Obligation to that day. Um, I understand the logic behind it, but at the same time, I think something gets lost in that um, shuffle. So not that it matters because I have no say in these issues. I'm just a guy with a microphone, that's all. But um, I do like the feast days celebrated on their days of the week. Now, we're talking there about the uh, Holy Days of Obligation. This is a note that came in from Jerry, and Jerry says, In a broadcast earlier this week, you mentioned a book about hell. What was the title? (laughs) I'll tell you in a second. Also, the next day you recommended a few books about the writings of the early church fathers. What were those two books? Thanks, and God bless. Well, thank you, Jerry. I'm going to make it easy for you. You can go back to those shows at any time and just listen to them. And I don't really remember all of the books late you know, in the week. So Friday, I don't necessarily remember all the titles that I might have mentioned on Tuesday. But it's easy. All you have to do is just go to Tuesday on the Relevant Radio app. If you don't have that on your phone, I would get it on there right away. And go to Tuesday. And you can do the same thing on the website, relevantradio.com slash Patrick. And we have full-on show notes. The show notes are very detailed. So when you go to that day and you say, oh, no, it wasn't Tuesday, it must have been Wednesday, you go on Wednesday, you're going to see the show notes for each hour of the program, and it will tell you. And if it doesn't say this particular book, it will tell you that at this point in the hour is when I talked about those books. So it's easy for you to go back and just pinpoint you know, what the, <clears throat> what the books might be. Now, specifically about the book on hell... It's called The Dogma of Hell. The Dogma of Hell. Say it with me, Cyrus. The Dogma of Hell. Come on, Cyrus, you can do it. (laughs) You can find The Dogma of Hell. One, two, one, two, three, four. The Dogma dogma of of Hell. hell. Okay. (laughs) Why am I emphasizing that? I don't know what it is, but it seems like no matter how many times we mention this book title, which we do not benefit from, Relevant Radio doesn't sell it, we don't sell anything for that matter, we... We, I don't benefit from it. There's no connection other than it's a really good book and helpful. So, but no matter how many times we mention it, it people for some reason can't seem to remember the name. Maybe we should just call it That Book on Hell. Maybe we should just rename it That Book on Hell. And uh, I'm not grinding on you, Jerry. Don't worry. It's just that you're like the umpteenth billionth person who's asked the same question. What is the name of that book on hell? It's called The Dogma of hell. And special bonus, if you want to see it, all you have to do is go to the show page, relevantradio.com slash Patrick, and click on links. There's a big blue button there. Click on links, and you'll see it. You'll see a, a link for the book on hell. Then you can see what it looks like. You'll see the author. You'll see what you might want to see. And it's just super easy to obtain it, if you wish. Your local Catholic bookstore probably carries it. So I hope that helps. And for all the people, and by the way, young Thomas, I know people are going to be calling in and saying, what was that book on hell that he was talking about? I don't know why. It just happens. Anything you want to add to that, Cyrus? I know you're... So what, what's the name of that you, book? Which book? <laughs> the hell book? The book about hell? <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. But I think if you go to the show notes, it'll, oh, they're not up there yet because we don't post the show until about an hour after we're done. It's called The Dogma of Hell. Let's go to the phones. Gideon, you called in first, so we're going to have you on the air first. Gideon in Lexington, Kentucky. Good morning. 
Good morning, Patrick and Cyrus. Good morning. So I'm taking a class called Public Speaking and Truth Seeking at a homeschool co-op, and my upcoming speech is on, Is Jesus Intolerant? And so this is a difficult topic since our world is so focused on being tolerant, and I'd just like to hear your thoughts on this. Well, Jesus is tolerant in one way, in that he tolerates us as sinners, so much so that, as he says in John chapter 3, this would be a good verse to cite, John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he sent his only Son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. So we're all sinners, and God doesn't merely tolerate us, but he loves us. So you could start there and say, sure, in that sense of the word, Jesus is definitely tolerant because he wants to help us get out of that sinful state. But we can also say that Jesus is intolerant of certain things, so like intolerant of not believing in him, where he says, for example, that you know, I assure you that unless you repent of your sins, you too will all perish. He's referring to, he's speaking to a group of people, and these people were wondering about a tower that had collapsed, and I think it was 16 or 18 men. They died in the collapse of this tower, and it was, you know, like big news around town. And so he's using that as an example to say that, you know, they died, and you will die. This is in Luke 13, by the way. He says, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he doesn't mean you're going to die in a collapse of a tower, but he's referring to the eternal death of sin. So there's an example of Jesus um, not tolerating unrepentance. Belief, for example, Jesus says, um, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me, no one comes to the Father except through me. It's very exclusive. And in this case, he's not tolerating some alternative scheme. You know, well, if you think you can just be a good person and and be nice to people and you don't have to believe or to repent, no, Jesus doesn't tolerate that. Jesus doesn't tolerate hard-heartedness. So in the case of the woman taken in the act of adultery, and in the Mosaic Law, the penalty for that, if you were caught, was to be stoned to death. So as you know from the story in the Gospels, a bunch of guys dragged this woman out into the street, and they were ready to stone her. And as Jesus is speaking to her, and after he says this to them, he says, let, let he among you who has no sin cast the first stone. And so they put the stones down, and they walked away. And he said to her that you are, you are saved, you are free, there's no one here to condemn you. He says, neither do I condemn you. He says, go and sin no more. So there he shows an intolerance for sin. You know, don't do mm-hmm. this. Or if he says, and I'll just give you one more example, when he says, that, you know, in this world there will be scandal, but woe to that man by whom scandal comes. It would be better for him if he had a millstone hung around his neck and be tossed into, into the sea, in other words, drowned to death, rather than scandalize one of these little ones. So if you go through the Gospels, just about every page you're going to find tolerance and love and a second chance and forgiveness and restoration, but you'll also find that kind of intolerance of the things that if people refuse God's loving gift of grace and salvation, highly intolerant of that kind of situation. So 
In mm -hmm. a nutshell, that's how I would approach it if I were writing that paper. Okay. Helpful? Yes, thank you. What grade are you in, or are you in college, or what grade are you? I'm a junior. In college or in high school? Uh, in, in high school. Oh, okay, excellent. And is it a is it a like a public school setting or a Catholic school? No, uh, it's just a homeschool co-op, but it's Christian. It's a Christian school. So, okay, yeah, I think that's great that you're writing about that. And really, everything you need to, if if you like my idea, if that appeals to you, and you want to write along those lines, everything you need is contained in the Gospels. You could even just pick one Gospel, Matthew, if you wanted to, and just use those examples so there you have it okay all right thank you you're welcome good chatting 888-914-9149 too bad that transcript service isn't quite ready yet because then gideon could just you know <laughs> take your answer yeah or don't I, I hope he's not listening if you went to chat gpt <laughs> shh, yeah, don't tell gideon this but if you no, i'm not telling you to do this gideon don't get me wrong all you have to do is to go to ChatGPT and say, what would Patrick Madrid say about this question? And then see what ChatGPT says. That actually sounds like a fun experiment. And uh, come, <laughs> come back to me in a little bit and I'll, t I'll tell okay. you what ChatGPT comes up with. Let's see. Okay, let's try that. Here's one from Anonymous. And uh, I don't know why you need to be anonymous. I really don't. You live in New Jersey and there are a, a million and one women with the same first name as you. There's no way anybody could possibly know who you are. And yet, she wants me to keep her anonymous. Okay, if you want to. Uh, we are now in a position where we need to homeschool one of our children. Which series of books would you recommend? And how would we find a local person to do the homeschooling for us? Well, there are many good homeschool outlets with great resources. Um, Colby Academy comes to mind. They're friends of the network. Uh, Colby.org is their website. Double check me on that, Cyrus. I'm pretty confident it's Colby.org. K-O-L-B-E. And that's named after St. Maximilian Colby. So if you wanted to peruse their curriculum, you'd see the books and things like that. And there are many other good Catholic homeschool outlets. Uh, we have a special relationship with Colby, so I would encourage you to look to them first. Um, and so I, I don't have like this book or that book, but there's so many that you can choose from. I would say, if I want to be specific, that in your curriculum, you should definitely have the Baltimore Catechism, St. Joseph edition. That's the one that's got the really interesting retro drawings you know, from back in the 50s. So like a new car that's shown in the Baltimore Catechism, St. Joseph edition is like a 57 Chevy. A beautiful classic car, but it wasn't a classic car when this version of the Baltimore Catechism was released because that was the new car model at the time. Uh, but it's just interesting, interesting and, and very well done illustrations that keep your interest as you go from page to page. So for whatever age of your children, assuming that you know, you're teaching, let's say, kindergarten and up, I would include the Baltimore Catechism there are three different volumes. There's a, a pink one, a blue one, and a gray one. The gray one is for the older kids. But those are really good. Um, a, a real yeah. easy way to find Colby 
mm-hmm. Academy and their information and, and any of our wonderful sponsors mm-hmm. here at Relevant Radio, go to relevantradio.com. And then on the banner at the top, you, you'll see like listen, support, faith. And then yeah. the last one over there is sponsorship. And then just click that, national sponsors. And then there's a link to Colby. There's, you know. Perfect. Um, yeah, it, it's super easy, and there's a phone number. It, it couldn't be easier. Perfect. Yeah, thank you, Cyrus. And it's all right there. Catholic Order of Foresters, Catholic Dentists. That's right, Charity uh, Mobile. Charity Mobile. I like yeah. those guys. Yeah, they're great. Ave Maria University. Christendom College. Yeah, 40 Days for Life. Mm-hmm. And we have some great sponsors. We U- do. University of Mary, they're, they're amazing. Oh, well, anyway, back to the show. Yeah, King Taco, Taco Trucks. Soon. They're not on here. Yeah, where are they? Huh. Missed, Tell you what. Missed opportunity. If you, Hey, Garen, get on that, please. Let's get a hold of King Taco and see if we can get them as a national sponsor. I don't think they could do it nationally because they're concentrated in SoCal. But here's a hot tip, everybody. When you go to LAX, if you go to LAX, and you want to get yourself a good taco, and I mean a good taco, and they're hot. If you, if you put the salsa on it, they're hot. I mean, hot, hot. So be careful how much salsa, if any, that you put on it. When you get out of LAX, you're going to jump on the 10 freeway. You're going to go north on the 405. You're going to get on the 10. You're going to go through LA. You're going to get out of your car in East LA and specifically in Boyle Heights, which used to be gangland. I would never send you to Boyle Heights before, but they have a King Taco there and it's really good. I'm trying to remember what street it's on. But it's really good. And they have other locations as well, including a little further east in East L.A. But if you're looking for a good taco, in fact, I think I even have a picture of me standing in front of the King Taco truck in L.A. from years ago on the show page. So we'll see if we can find that. Not that anyone cares, but people do care about tacos. So that's that's a good to know. Colby.org. Thank you, Cyrus. Colby.org for homeschool stuff. All right, we'll see, Anonymous, see how easy that was. And even if I had said your name, nobody would have a clue who you were. So next time you write to me, feel free to use your free name, your full name, if you wish. 888-914-9149. We'll take a quick break and we'll come back with plenty more right after this. You're listening to The Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Today, we'd like to thank Vincent, who's listening in California, for donating his 1971 Chevy El Camino. Right on. You can join thousands of other listeners in donating old vehicles, trucks, boats, and RVs by visiting relevantradio.com slash car. That's relevantradio.com slash car. Madrid is on coast to coast on relevant radio. I got you, babe. We're not doing this again, are we? (laughs) Are you having deja vu all over again? All over again. Yeah. Feels like it was just just a year ago that we did this. It feels like it was a couple of months ago to me. Oh man. Seriously, I feel like we just did this. But duty calls. I I have to. It's my it's my duty to do this. Yeah, so I've heard. Um, hey, there's this little town. It's called Woodstock up in Illinois. And I know you don't live far from there. You don't live there. I know that. But have you ever been to Woodstock? Because that's where I, much of I, Groundhog I Day it's, was filmed. It's awesome. They have, a, they have a plaque like everywhere Bill Murray yeah. stood. 
It's you like know, remember in the movie when he steps off the curb there into is a, a, like slushy cold water? There's a plaque there. And Nick Ryerson, or Ned, Ned Ryerson. There's a plaque there. Did I ever tell you that? There is. There is a plaque there. Ned! Ryerson! <laughs> am I right He's, or am I right or am I right? He sounds like he I, could be a I, voice I, on The Simpsons, like that uh, Howdly Doodly guy. Who Watch that out guy? for that first step. It's in juicy. Yeah. That's in Woodstock, Cyrus. Did I ever mention that to you? <laughs> no. Tell me more. Ah, I will. <laughs> Believe me. I'll tell you a lot more. 888-914-9149. How about Carrie now in Tampa? Good morning, Carrie. Good morning. Um, I just want your advice. I uh, I have three kids. My oldest is in seventh grade, and um, I would like to send him to a Catholic high school, but it's probably mm. would be an hour to, to get him there, and the other two would be in the opposite direction. It's just It just isn't really feasible okay. um, with work and everything. Uh, there is a nearby christian school i believe it's baptist and i guess i'm just wondering your advice on would it be a mistake to send him to a christian school when i'm hoping he chooses to remain catholic as an adult um should i instead just send him to the public school that we would be zoned for or at least it's hmm. christian okay well i'll first say that as i looked at um the map of tampa I noticed that there are probably maybe half a dozen Catholic high schools right around Tampa, north, northeast, and south, southwest. So I don't know if you're aware of all of them, but there seem to be... I live more in the outskirts, suburbs. Ah, okay. Area. So you're not, like, close Down into near Tampa. Ruskin. Gotcha, gotcha. Ruskin. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, near Sun City Center, et cetera. So, right. Um, I don't know. I mean, I can see what you're talking about. The ones that I can see on the map are further north from you. So all, I just wanted to check to see if there might be alternatives that, you know, as a matter of fact, I see one right across the Tampa Bay, um, a high, Catholic high school kind of south of Clearwater. So you probably could see that high school from your front yard. <laughs> um, but to answer your question, I hope you don't um, feel that I'm being too stringent or harsh, but I would definitely not recommend sending your Catholic son or daughter to a Baptist high school for this reason. I'm sure they're fine people. I'm sure the academic quality is good. Um, I'm sure they work their hearts out to try to give a great high school experience to the students. So I have no objection to any of those issues, nor do I doubt that they don't do a good job or that they do a good job. But rather, Baptists are inherently not, I'm not talking about people per se, but the Southern Baptist Convention, as an example, is deeply anti-Catholic. And even though the people may be very nice, the theology and what they're taught, not only does it include certain biblical errors, like they teach the Bible only, or they teach, um, they teach salvation by faith alone, they teach that you, once saved, always saved, and, and other false doctrines, I hate to put it so bluntly, but that's what they are, grave misunderstandings of Scripture. But they also look at Catholics as, as a class of people as unsaved, unregenerate, lost, on their way to hell, in need of conversion, being born again. 
So your son or daughter will be in an environment which, even though the people may be wonderful and dedicated, their theological system, it inevitably will make your child look as though he needs to be somebody who's, quote-unquote, converted to Christianity, to be born again, etc. Now, your, your son or daughter was born again already in the sacrament of baptism. That's the, the Bible way of being born again. Baptists don't believe that. Baptists do not believe in the Eucharist. Baptists do not believe in honoring the Blessed Virgin Mary. Baptists condemn the very idea of the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist uh, as pagan. They condemn the idea of the Mass as a holy sacrifice. And it's, it's a fairly long list. So I would advise against it because, in fact, it's not so much a Christian school as it is a sectarian Protestant school. And that sectarianism and the anti-Catholic bias, which is especially pronounced in that particular denomination, I think would be harmful to your kids. And I think the net result would be, and I've seen this happen before, so I do have some anecdotal awareness of this situation, but I've heard of many other situations as well, where the child goes in Catholic and comes out Baptist. And in, in due time, the likelihood of your son or daughter saying, Mom, I don't believe that anymore. And I don't want to go to Mass anymore. I want to go to the Baptist Church now. The likelihood of that happening to your child is very high, based on experience. So I would not recommend that you do that for those reasons. Okay, thank you. I appreciate I, I'm going to take your advice. Well, I appreciate that. And I understand it can be a challenge because if, you're, if you want to give a good quality education and you've got this school right there that gives a good quality education, you think, well... That would be great, but it's these other things in the background that can be the real problem, like this one. So proceed okay. with great Maybe caution would be a driving my service. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> Maybe you know, that's a good idea, actually. Or other people that, um, I believe it's Tampa Catholic would be the one. Um, okay that I'd be trying to get them to. So maybe I can look around for some sort of carpooling situation. Yeah, and maybe some of these, because you're in the Catholic school district for that diocese, maybe some of them have, you know, buses that would go from your side of the bay to the other side. I'm looking at a uh, high school that's in, um, there's like one, two, three, four, looks like five, all within a matter of blocks of each other in the... Um, St. Petersburg side of the bay. So there's some to, to look at there if you did a little bit of of shopping. Well, I wish you well, and I wish okay. your children well, and, and thank you for at least considering my advice. Again, I don't mean to appear harsh, but I've just seen this problem happen so often that I'd hate to see you go down that road. Thank you. You're welcome. Good chatting. 888-914-9149. You can call that number now. We'll get you on the air. And we'll go now to Dustin in Rancho Cordova, California. Hi, Dustin. Good morning, Patrick. Yeah, good morning. Um, so um, I have a question. Can uh, people, uh, uh, a question and a quick story behind it. Can uh, people have their own little like, personal revelations or visions of Jesus Christ nowadays? Yes. Um, strictly speaking, the answer is yes, because, of course, God is not restricted in any way as to whom he wishes to give things like that too. My thought would be that, generally speaking, the Lord doesn't do that typically. He does it sometimes. Take St. Faustina. 
She's a, a nun in a convent living in obscurity in Poland. And out of, out of the blue, the Lord starts appearing to her. Why did he choose her? We don't know, but he did. So there's an example of where somebody who is just minding her own business and attending, her, attend, attending to her duties in life, the Lord deigned to appear to her and give her a great deal of information. And this is something that is not uncommon among the great saints, and maybe you're a great saint. And, of course, we should all be trying to become great saints. So I wouldn't say, no, that the Lord can't or won't do that, but I think often what really happens is we get an inspiration, perhaps from the Holy Spirit, perhaps from Jesus, perhaps from our guardian angels, and it's something to help you in your life in, in that moment, make a decision, do something good, avoid doing something bad, things like that. Um but as far as like visions are concerned, I would not be quick to assume that it must be from God directly. It could be just your own imagination. It could be a pious thought that suddenly becomes really clear in your mind. And it might have a, a real power, like you, th you feel overwhelmed, like, that's amazing, I just realized something. That could just be your gaining of knowledge. So I would, I would propose that you be cautious and not assume that it's necessarily an inspiration from God, could be, and time will tell. Does that make sense, Dustin? Yes, and I'm honestly hoping that it could be an inspiration from God because, well, real quick, I was living in sin with another man for, two, for 10 years, but last weekend I left him. Okay. And then this past weekend I, en I, re en I enrolled into RCIA, mm -hmm. and it's church that I just signed up that I just signed up to join they have a charismatic prayer group every Wednesday well this past Wednesday I uh well I was waiting for it to attend I spent an hour, an hour of adoration in the chapel with Christ that's wonderful all of, a sudden, all of a sudden I I could smell roses and there were no roses there and I had this like thought came to my mind I don't think I felt like it wasn't my own thought it was saying be my priest lead my sheep uh, lead my herd, uh, lead my flock. Mm -hmm. And then later during the charismatic prayer group, I had this mental image of Jesus embracing me, welcoming me to the church. Mm -hmm. I, I love hearing that. And I don't doubt at all that those are manifestations of God's grace in your life. It's, I mean, the fact that you realized you needed to change your life and and put aside this sinful lifestyle, I'm sure that must come with plenty of challenges. And maybe you're just now on the very beginning of that journey, but keep going in the right direction, Dustin. And Thank you. You're welcome. Now, here's something to consider. If your life has been marked with, in fact, this particular sin, it can be a real heavy cross for people in that situation. Because, our, as you know better than anybody, our society is so saturated with eroticism, and the promotion of all kinds of perversions. Um, so, I mean, there are all kinds of things out there. That this is just, you know, one of many different things that can attract human beings, whether homosexual or heterosexual. So, you know, probably better than anybody, the kind of difficulty it can be to remain chaste in this world, but you can, and God's grace will help you. So, my advice would be, if you haven't already been in touch with them, get in touch with the people at Courage. Have you heard of them, Courage? Yes. 
Good. So have you looked at their website, courage.org, couragerc.org? Have you looked at that yet? I've been to it a couple of times. I haven't actually okay. reached out to them yet. Okay. Yeah. And I'm far be it for me to tell you what to do, but it would just be a resource that's there at the ready. If you decide you'd like to get some, you know, more specific assistance. And it's not like they're going to come to your house or anything. It's not like that, but they have resources, they have videos, they have um, things there to help support you in your desire to pursue holiness and, and draw close to Jesus. They'll help you with that to the extent that you want that, but it's not like they're going to come and invade your life or anything. So they're there to serve men and women who have same-sex attraction and who really want to to live lives of chastity and purity, which we all are called to do. So check that out when the time comes, okay? Thank you very much, Patrick. You're welcome. Good chatting, and God bless you, Dustin. I sure hope that this is the beginning of a wonderful journey, deeper and, and uh, closer to the Lord. Thank you. 888-914-9149. Let's go to Mary now in Los Angeles. Hi, Mary. I'm sorry, May. Forgive me. Good morning, May. Hello. Um, Patrick, I was calling to see if you can clarify, like, um, I've heard the terminology of mixed marriage and, like, having Mm -hmm. your marriage blood. So I just was Mm -hmm. wondering, like, what that meant. Yeah. In shorthand, mixed marriage refers to one of two situations. One would be where a Catholic is married to a baptized non-Catholic, so let's say a Protestant, Lutheran, let's say. That's a mixed marriage, because even though both parties are baptized and both are Christian, one of them is not a member of the Church, the Catholic Church. The other way that you'll see the the term mixed marriage used is with regard to a Catholic who's married to a non-Christian. So that would be an even wider division than in the first example. And that could be a Catholic who marries a Hindu, a Catholic who marries an atheist who's never been baptized, a Catholic who marries, you know, fill in the blank, but somebody who's not baptized. That would be the second way in which the term a mixed marriage would be used. Now, if it's two Catholics who get married, it's not a mixed marriage. Do you see the distinction? Yes. Yeah, I would just... It has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with economic, you know, socioeconomic levels has nothing to do, it it only pertains to the issue of religion, a Catholic and a non-Catholic Christian or a Catholic and a non-Christian. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just wanted to make sure people understood what we're talking about specifically. Yes, um, thank you for clarifying. And the only reason why I was, I kind of thought that's what I meant, but I just wanted to verify because my um, fiance is not Catholic and I'm Catholic. So we, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to have like our marriage and he's on board um, with us raising our kids Catholic and all, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was just wondering like how we would go about that. Like if, if that would be a possibility for us to get married through the Catholic church or like have our marriage blessed. Cause I know that's very important. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, that would mean. I have some thoughts on that. Yeah, I'm happy to talk a little bit further if you have another minute or two. Yes. Okay. So what what exactly is he? Is he a practicing Protestant? I mean, does he go to a Protestant church, for example? He's not. No, he's um, he's Christian. Um, I'm not really sure what denomination um, he was brought up. Mm-hmm. Um, was he ever baptized? He, you know, he believes in... Um, I don't think he was. 
um, he doesn't remember. And Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, in the Christian church, they believe like you should be baptized when you're older. Um, Mm -hmm. So he remembers going to like retreats and stuff. So like, I don't believe that he's been baptized. Okay. So he probably wasn't baptized as an infant because that group doesn't believe in infant baptism and he doesn't remember being baptized when he was older. So that makes sense. I think the assumption is pretty safe that he probably was never baptized. So what about him becoming Catholic? I mean, has he shown openness to that idea, to coming into the church and receiving the sacraments and being Catholic? Not really. <laughs> no? What does he say I'm about that? Really happy with. Um, for the most part, he just like he believes in God, and, you know, he, like, he, he doesn't really have, like, too much of an interest, and just, with, you know, things that have happened with the church and just, Mm-hmm. I feel like people have this idea, which is something that bothers me, um, you know, going into this, because I feel like I love being Catholic and, you know, my faith is very strong and he supports me. Um, but I don't think that he's willing to convert or like become Catholic, which is something that kind of um, is in the back of my head. Like if there would mm-hmm. be an issue later on, and I know you've expressed how things can become challenging over time. So that's, mm-hmm. that's the thing that's on my mind. Yeah. Well, far far be it from me, to use that phrase again, to try to in any way break up your relationship or anything like that. He's probably a wonderful guy. But if, if you or my daughter may, here's what I would tell you. I would say he may be a fine guy in in many respects, but if you were to get married, the likelihood of you one of a few things happening is very high. One would be that you would have now this built-in friction point, a built-in difficulty in your marriage, and that is that you don't look at God and religion the same way. You like it, and he thinks, well, that's nice for you, but he doesn't really care about it one way or the other. So when it comes to something simple like going to Mass on Sunday, I mean, unless he's like a really wonderful guy who's willing to go to Mass with you, chances are he won't go to Mass with you. And maybe he might the first few times, but eventually he'll tire of it if he doesn't believe in it. And you'll be going to Mass by yourself. And when children start arriving, you'll be taking the children to Mass and he'll be at home. And then when the kids get old enough to kind of figure things out, 8, 10, 11, 12 years old, Mom, how come I have to go to Mass on Sunday? Dad doesn't go to Mass. Why can't I just stay home with with Dad? Dad doesn't believe in that stuff. I don't think I do either. You see, what will happen is inevitably that's one very likely thing that would would take place. You, You would be faithful. You would go to Mass. You would live your faith. But you would have this vacuum in your marriage because he wouldn't share that with you. So... Keep that in mind. That's a, that's a real possibility, and it happens often. Another possibility, different scenario, would be that, that you would eventually get tired of being the lone Catholic and getting to Mass every Sunday, and you have no support, and you're taking the kids, and you don't have any support from him. Well, as it often happens in this scenario, you, the Catholic Party, could just simply give up and give in and drift away. That happens too. Now, another scenario would be that it just it becomes intolerable, and he grows to dislike the fact that you love Jesus and you're following Jesus, and sometimes marriages end in divorce over this issue. God forbid, but it does happen. 
And yes, there is a, a fourth scenario in which he may say, boy, May is such a saint. I want to be like her and I want to become Catholic too. And he winds up becoming Catholic. And that does happen, but it doesn't happen anywhere near as often as the first three scenarios do happen. So how about this, May? I'm overdue for a break, but let me recommend to you a, a wonderful little document that came out in 1970. It's called Matrimonia Mixta, M-I-X-T-A, Matrimonia Mixta. It's on mixed marriages. And you could read through it in 20 minutes, maybe less. And in it, Pope Paul VI, who is the Pope at that time, gives you the reasons why he and the Catholic Church in general strongly discourages mixed marriages. He can say it a lot better and at greater length than I can. But we'll post a link to this. If you're on Twitter, go to the show Twitter feed, at P. Madrid Show. If you just want to look it up on Google, look up Matrimonia Mixta, M-I-X-T-A. Thank you, May. Call me back sometime if you want to talk further. And I'll be right back right after this. This hour is supported by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Join the nation's largest Catholic-oriented credit union and receive $200 when you add a direct deposit. Learn more at NotreDameFCU.com join. That's NotreDameFCU.com join. Do you ever have deja vu, Mrs. Lancaster? I don't think so, but I could check with the kitchen. Then put your little hand in mine. There ain't no hill or mountain we can climb. Patrick Madrid is on Coast to Coast on Relevant Radio. I got you, babe. I wonder if you're the only one enjoying this, Cyrus. I, I'm okay with that. My wife <laughs> often asks me after I say a joke, who are your jokes for? Yeah. Like they're they're for me. And if other people happen to like them, all the better. Yeah. I got an email from, um, I have to take a look here, from somebody a few minutes ago about Woodstock, Illinois, which is where that film was filmed, and um, sent some pictures and stuff of it. Thank you. Oh, here it is. This is from Stephos. So thank you, Stephos. I appreciate that. Um, by the way, do you want a transformative Lent for you and your family? Who doesn't, right? Watch Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass for bite-sized glimpses into every prayer and word. From the sign of the cross to the final blessing. These are free video lessons that you'll get every day of Lent, starting Ash Wednesday all the way to Holy Saturday. They come straight to your email inbox. Sponsored in part by the National Center for Padre Pio, you can transform these 40 days of Lent with these 40 lessons by going to relevantradio.com slash Lent. It's free, and free is good. Relevantradio.com slash Lent. Check it out. 888-914-9149. Let's get over to Francisco now in Alabama. Good morning, Francisco. Yes. Good morning. Yes, sir. Yeah, uh, Patrick, uh, I'm blind, so I'm. Uh, the government gave me something they call book reader, which is, okay. and they have a cartridge that they slide in that it plays the Bible. They record, they re okay. record, record okay. the whole Bible in it, but... It's a it's a uh, James King James Bible. So I wanna have, uh, I wanna ask a question. If you can guide me about yeah, if sure. I can find something like a, a Catholic something that I can you know use it for my uh, book reader instead of yes. listening to this uh, King James Bible. So are you are you preferring Francisco something that would be audio 
format where you're listening to it or do you prefer braille format where you're reading it that way? Well, I, I, I prefer something to listen to it instead of the braille, no. Got it. Because, okay. Yeah, so I need a, a Bible, Carbridge Bible, a Catholic Bible. Because I've been listening to this uh, King James, but I've been listening to you, and I heard that uh, we have we have seventy books in the in the Bible uh, in a Catholic book, right? Seventy-three, of, uh, to be exact. 73. Yeah, seventy-three. So, so that's that's why I need to. I have I have uh, you know and that's why I want to get uh, something like a recorder or, or whatever, like a, mm-hmm. almost like a CD I, or something. I can I help can you. Plug it into my book reader. Yeah, I can help you. You ready? So if you're not already familiar with a service called Audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E. Audible. So, ah. Have you heard of them? But it's, no. Okay. Audible, Audible. Yeah. So it's a service that, that provides audio books and they do have the New American Bible in its entirety. Yeah, and, and I think it might be broken into the Old Testament and New Testament. So let's say you want to do the New Testament. I'm looking at it right here. So it's the entire New Testament, all 27 books of the New Testament narrated. And you could listen to that and you'll know that it's a Catholic Bible. So that could be exactly what you're looking for. Now, here's the interesting thing is that you don't need a special reader or anything, or, or rather, a, you don't need any kind of a special device. If you have a smartphone, you can have somebody put the Audible app on the phone for you. And if you had, a, let's say, like an iPhone, you could tell Siri to play the Audible app. You could tell it to play this Bible in the Audible app. So there are ways that you can do that without being able to see it. And the app is free. And so if you, if you put that on there, then you just simply would activate it and then play. And then what will happen is what's nice about the audible function is that it stops wherever you stop and you come back an hour later, a day later, a year later, it will know where it was that you stopped and it will start right back at that point again. So you won't get lost. But how can I do that because I'm blind? So, okay. <laughs> do you have anyone living with you who helps you with I, things I like that? I stay with my daughter. I stay with my okay. daughter. So, so my question then, my question then is, does your daughter have sight? Yeah. Okay. So, if she would be willing to just show you how to do that, she could set it up on the phone for you. If you have that kind of a okay. phone, Android phone works too. So, uh, uh, audible? You call? You say Audible? Audible. Yeah, it's like if if something is audible, it means you can hear it, and that's what I'd suggest. Okay, so, okay, mm-hmm. so uh, all right, thank you very much. Thank you. You're welcome. You're very welcome. Yeah, I think I think it's a wonderful tool, and I mean, I listen to a lot of books on Audible, and I mean, to talk about taking otherwise unproductive time in the car. You're, you're running errands, or you, you've got to take a long drive, or something like that, or. You know, maybe if you're on that treadmill, you want something to listen to, you can knock out book after book after book by doing it that way. So I think that'll help, and I hope it does. Let's go to Tom now in Tucson. Good morning, Tom. Hey, good morning. See, um, Xavier, um, Xavier Society for the Blind. Just I don't, I, you know, I don't mean to jump right into what you were talking about on Audible. Oh, well, that's but, fine. Uh, Is this another resource? 
Yeah, and and it's and I'm pulling it out in real time from memory. So I think it's Xavier Society for the Blind, and I think they're located out of New York. They've got some really cool resources. Yeah, I just found them. Relevant Radio had them on. They, mm-hmm. Within the last six months, I think they've been um, kind of highlighted on a segment. Yeah, I'm looking at their website right now. You're right. It is XavierCenterForTheBlind.org. So it's all spelled out. Um, XavierCenterForTheBlind.org. Yeah, that's a great resource. I'm glad that you mentioned it, Tom. Thank you. Yeah, and, and Audible's good too, but I have to be honest with you, Patrick, I don't use it much anymore because I mostly listen to relevant radio now. That's I like that. Too. So. <laughs> I <laughs> do like that. My... Thank you, Tom. <clears throat> See, the reason for my call, um, I'm struggling with something that I'm sure every parent and every one of us has gone through. So my son, um, you know, about one year post-college grad now, uh, just went through that breakup with the love of his life, the woman that he was planning a future with, mm-hmm. um, you know, that whole experience. And it was, it was awful. You know, the family yeah. has met and, and I, and I love her too. I've grown to love her. And it's, I remember my parents telling me, Oh, this too shall pass. And don't worry. We all go through it. You know, the kind of the punting it and kicking it down. And of course we're convinced though, you could never understand as we boohoo, but we do so I'm looking for a sage advice. Sorry, I'm tripping over my words. That's okay. How do I keep them away from the secular advice? Because, you know, he's calling me and he's like, well, you know, everybody says, and my mom says, go to a therapist and get some medication. And I'm like, whoa, you don't medicate this. Yeah, that's <laughs> you true. You face this and you grow through this and you become stronger from this. The last thing you want to do is medicate this i mean you medicate an illness you medicate for treatment you don't medicate for a breakup so i'll shut up and listen to you (laughs) i really want to hear how you handled this (laughs) i'm nodding my head as you're saying all that because you're you're right on target for sure i hope that you told your son that or will tell him that because he needs to hear it yeah yeah to medicate can take different forms. To alcohol, probably the most common form of it, drugs and other things. But it's just ridiculous to say, hey, let's give this guy Ritalin because he's trying to forget his old girlfriend. Uh, not that Ritalin would necessarily be the drug of choice. But I, I'm with you, Tom, and I agree with you that that's clearly um, a counterproductive thing to do. Having been through it myself before Nancy and I began to go out, I went through that. And I, ha- I was a, a, you know, a hurting cowboy for a stretch of time. And I just had to, I had to grow out of it. I had to get over it and move on with my life. And, oh, there's the music. Okay, well, <laughs> tell you what, Tom, if you don't mind holding for a minute, um, I'll offer a few thoughts from things that I've observed in life, and maybe that'll be useful to you. So please stay right there, and I'll come right back with Hour 2 of The Patrick Madrid Show right after this. Let me know. 